Okay. Had a little problem with the intro. Welcome to Progressive News Network, Environmental Justice Report combined on uh, on Black Talk Radio. Um, my name is Janine Moloff, and I am the host and producer. Um, today's a special day, okay? And I, I'm going to personalize this. Um, as a Jew, we are heading into what's called the Days of Awe, awe spelled A-W-E. In other words, Days of Hopefully, personal and social enlightenment, uh, days of introspection and reviewing how we've lived our lives, uh, apologizing to those that we've transgressed against, and praying that we will be better people, and then ending in, that's the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and then ending in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where our fate is actually decided by the Almighty. Uh, Whether you're religious or not, I think that it's important to have these days of awe, if you will, days of introspection. Lord knows we have very little of it these days. If you saw the advert, uh, this was already planned, so it's a little dated, and I didn't get a chance to change it. And it says, Equal Rights versus Nazism, the Real American Conflict. And it's not hyperbolic. It's true. You know, as we see the alt-right descend into full-blown neo-Nazism and under the mantle of Christian nationalism, uh, people pushing to uh, basically destroy the concept of separation of church and state, uh, you know, once again, we're treading into very dangerous territory. And uh, it says yesterday, well, this obviously wasn't yesterday, but, you know, this was after President Biden gave this speech where he made a clarion call to reject the poison white supremacy and neo-Nazism. I mean, this is his speech in Philadelphia of a couple weeks ago in front of Independence Hall. Now, he called out MAGA as the white supremacy it has always been. Um but unfortunately, um, excuse me, even though those of us in the minority community appreciate the speech, it really wasn't enough. He was calling out as a white Christian straight male what communities of color, religious minorities, women, and the LGBTQ community have always known. Um and, you know, once again, uh, I don't believe anyone should be granted uh, a moral or ethical pass on bigotry and hate. That being said, however, there were far too many Republicans that remained silent during this race to Nazism. And I don't think any of them should be given an ethical pass for remaining silent in the face of this growing bigotry Growing Nazism, yeah. I'm going to keep calling it that because that's what it is. So I'm glad President Biden gave the speech a couple weeks ago. I don't feel he went far enough. So I'm going to speak to this psychological lapse, not only on the part of President Biden, but on the part of many white Christian people. Just going to say it. Um, You know, excuse me, I just lost a temporary filling, so I'm kind of having a little trouble here. Um, which is neither here nor there. Um, The fact is, I'm 63, and I grew up in the Midwest, in St. Louis, Missouri, and to a large extent, I had to be religiously closeted for my own safety. Not only physical safety, but then professional safety as well. Uh, The Discrimination was still very real, more subtle than overt racism, definitely, but it was there. And, you know, we're going to get into that. All right, so, honestly, I'm so sick and tired of the white Christian, I'd say still majority, that plays innocent because they liked their privilege. And I don't know, I don't think we should call it privilege anymore. Call it what it is, an unfair advantage. I think privilege makes it sound a little too polite, okay? And we're going to be talking about that as well. 
and we will have our jackass of the week as well. So we're going to start first with the most obvious illustration that I could find. That this My computer will work. What the heck is going on? And that is Ron DeSantis. Okay. Uh, basically, uh, his, you know, we all know by now that under Governor DeSantis, they took a bunch of, um, excuse me, oh, I'm having some problems here. Okay. By now we know that Governor DeSantis had a bunch of migrants of color from Central and South America sign off on papers that they couldn't possibly have understood because they weren't in Spanish, they were in English, um, basically signing away the rights as they bust them to Massachusetts, to Martha's Vineyard. And, you know, nobody can give informed consent when they sign something that's not in a language they understand. And there's no excuse for Governor DeSantis because, let's get a little real here, he's a licensed attorney. He knows better. In fact, he used to be a prosecutor. Um, so there was this piece written by David J. Beer, B-I-E-R, and it was published this September 16th. And he puts it out there. It's an op-ed, and he says, DeSantis migrant stunt is kidnapping by another name. Okay. Um, and then the subtitle is the outrage, quote, the outrage isn't over immigrants entering a liberal community. It's that they were reportedly lured under false promises of jobs and housing, end quote. And, you know, I agree. There's a Texas sheriff that is actually trying to pursue criminal charges against Ron DeSantis. And I say, bravo. Um, keep in mind, they flew some 50 Venezuelan immigrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard um, on Wednesday night. No, not, I'm sorry. I made a mistake here. According to, this is in the Daily Beast. According to the Daily Beast, they flew about 50 Venezuelan immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Um, and all of this is being done on the taxpayer dime. That's what a lot of conservatives, a, a, a lot of Trumpers in Florida do not understand. You guys have been played for saps. You're paying for this. But they don't care. Okay, so um, this is basically something that is so reminiscent of the trickery used by, yes, Nazis in the right, where the first people, people think about the Holocaust and the Third Reich in the most obvious sense, namely Auschwitz, the death camps. But before that, Jews and other uh, people that were considered, I guess, criminals, just because they existed, were rounded up, lied to, kicked out of their homes, and sent to a very overcrowded ghetto. Then from there, they were pushed into cattle cars. And then from there, when they arrived at the concentration camps, those that they were going to be murdered immediately were told they were being allotted a shower. They had to strip in public. And then they were gassed to death. So this is the first time bigots lied to their victims. Okay. Now, did Governor DeSantis seek to murder these people? No. But did he seek to entrap them, to kidnap them, and to send them somewhere else, and if they starve in the streets, so be it? Yes, he did. Now, I don't know if this is really legally um, kidnapping. You know, I'll leave that to the lawyers. But you can't give informed consent if you sign something in a language you do not understand or read, which means... You've been tricked. You've been taken somewhere. You have no idea where you're really going. Looks a lot to, like kidnapping to me. So this is what we're dealing with here. And and again, Ron DeSantis is not tough. He's just another cowardly bully, nothing else. So, you know, once again, 
let's move on. Okay, so this is really about white supremacy. Make no mistake about it. Uh, call it Nazism, whatever. A lot of not only non-Jews, but a lot of Jews do not understand that Hitler's desire to destroy Jews wasn't so much about religion as it was about race. Uh, Jews were considered mixed. They were not considered fully white, not in Europe. And um, basically, they were called a mud race. And what that means is mixed. So it is safe to say that in Europe from, I'd say, the time of the uh, Spanish Inquisition on through past um, the Third Reich, it's safe to say that Jews were treated as badly in Europe as blacks were treated here. It's very accurate. We were the darker ones there. So this isn't something new, though. And I'm sorry if I'm kind of talking slowly today. Again, it's, you know, anybody's had dental work, you know what I'm going through. Okay, so the Center for um, American Progress did an actual report, and this report was written by Simon Clark, and it was published in July of 2020. Okay. Um, the report is titled, How White Supremacy Returned to Mainstream Politics. And the report basically serves as a guide to identify and call out the white nationalist ideas that have infiltrated the United States. You don't have to look any further back than, um, you know, the march on Charlottesville. They were screaming, Jews will not replace us. They were screaming, blood and soil, which is a Nazi chant. They had torches lit, reminiscent of what the Nazis did in Germany. There is no guesswork here. None. Okay. And once again, the United States has a long history of racism and anti-Semitism. Again, a lot of younger Americans don't realize that prior to, uh, I'd say maybe the 70s, the very um, restrictive immigration law of 1924 was still in effect so that the two major minority groups if you will in the United States were African Americans um, a small Hispanic population and Jews that was it you know and then immigration opened up and we got an influx of all different uh, people from all different parts of the world which has only made our society stronger Um, you know it's easy to be angry about this But, you know, once again, we need to reach people. We just do. But we also need to face the fact that whites, especially white Christians, have not faced their history of not just privilege, their history, really call it what it is, unfair advantage at the expense of communities of color and religious minorities, period. It's just and women. That, that's just the way it is. You know, it was as recent as the 1960s that many suburban uh, communities had restrictive um, restricted covenants where blacks and Jews could not buy property in those communities. Just could not. The same was true of many graduate schools. You know, they really restricted how many blacks and how many Jews were allowed into various law schools, medical schools, and so on. Just the way it was. Growing up, you know, I was in elementary school in the 60s. And I remember my father would not hide the fact that he was Jewish, and there were many employers that would not hire blacks or Jews. Period. And many unions that wouldn't admit blacks or Jews. Let's, let's get a little real here. That's the way it was, and it doesn't serve anyone to pretend that this past didn't exist. But that's what a lot of whites, especially white Christians, want to do. And why I'm focusing on white Christians is because of the rise of what they call Christian nationalism. When people call themselves a Christian nationalist, first of all, what they're talking about isn't Christianity. 
Because to my understanding, Jesus never preached hate, and Jesus never preached intolerance. If anything, Jesus preached tolerance and kindness and love. So when you hear somebody call themselves a Christian nationalist, that's bigot code for white Christian neo-Nazi. Make no mistake about it. And you see people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, um, Paul Gosar, and uh, uh, candidate Doug Mastriano all brag about being Christian nationalists. They are complaining there should not be a separation of church and state. And what really galls me is that DeSantis does the same thing, and he's a lawyer. Uh, there's a little thing in the First Amendment called the Establishment Clause, and it means Congress will not establish a state religion. That's what separation in church and state means. And it's the only safety, the only protection that religious minorities have in this country. These are people, Christian nationalists, they, they don't just want to proclaim their faith. That, that's misleading. They want only white Christians to rule, which would mean the rest of us are, would be at best second-class citizens. And that is exactly what Hitler wanted to do, too, and did do. Uh, this is an instance where these are people that want to inflict their version of biblical law on everybody. You know, when they say that they're pro-life, no, they're not. They're anti-sex. When they say they're pro-family values, no, they're not. They're anti-LBGTQ. Uh, LB, they're anti the gay and trans community. Excuse me. Um, when they say that they believe every time you have sex you should have Babies. They mean white babies. And what they mean is they want to grow armies. Because these are people that do not believe in rule of law. You cannot have a religious government and have democracy at the same time. It won't work. Think about what religion is. You know, God is almighty and we just do what we're told. And I'm not putting religion down. I actually happen to be a bit religious myself. But Reform Judaism is really more about an appeal to conscience and your own sense of private spirituality it is not, and social justice. It is not about forcing your way on anyone else. The fact is, fundamentalist religion and democracy cannot peaceably coexist. Notice that fundamentalist religion, where they take everything concretely, where there is religious law. Because under religious law, it is a dictatorship. There is no questioning. There is no free speech. There is no free press. And these candidates, like Mr. Mastriano, won't even speak to the, the, the mainstream press. Only religious press. And, and this is something as we enter into the high holidays that just disgust me beyond belief. But even more than the extremist of MAGA, in some ways, I'm even more disgusted with the alleged mainstream Republicans that remain silent. You know, in my home state of Missouri, uh, Roy Blunt's going to be leaving, but here he has remained silent. He has gone along with Trump and these Christian nationalists. And ironically, his present wife is a Jew. I wonder how she feels about it. Just saying. This is an instance where this is about what used to be called dominionism. Okay? These are religious extremists that want to dictate to everybody. They want to take over everything. And if you do not obey, the biblical law would say you will be stoned to death. How is this any different? How is Christian nationalism really any different than fundamentalist Islam? How would Marjorie Taylor Greene or Paul Gozar 
what they want to do. How would it be any different, Mastriano, from what is done in Saudi Arabia? Where if you look at someone the wrong way, you say the wrong thing, whatever, you get executed. This isn't about Christianity. This is about power. This is about establishing and maintaining an abusive system where white, Christian, straight men hold all the power. So, of course, people like Mastriano love it. And his buddy, the CEO of Gab, Andrew Torba, of course they love it. They get to take power and keep it. They don't have to earn it. They just get it as an accident of birth. These are people that are thieves, in my opinion. So the Center for American Progress, this report talks about how white supremacy has come back. And, and ironically, there are even some Jews that were basically working on Trump's campaign, um, you know, and it is an administration, people like Stephen Miller. You know, I, for the life of me, I can't understand someone like him. I don't know. Maybe he thinks that he's magically going to be exempt when the Nazis come marching down the street. He won't. You know, in the lead up to Hitler's total takeover, there were some Jews that were cowardly and um, that were traitors. There were some. They were wealthier usually. And they were referred to as Sonder Commandos. And guess what? They wound up in the death camps too. But this is what we're talking about. It's not just here in the U.S., it's worldwide. Okay. And again, what feeds this Nazism isn't just religious bigotry. It's all about race. Make no mistake about it. Jews, both according to Nazis, and actually when we first came here to the United States, we were not considered to be fully white, just as Muslims from the Middle East aren't presently considered to be fully white. Makes no difference. We just weren't. And this is about a giant schism where white Christians that believe in white Jesus want to take over, in my opinion, and enslave everybody else. That's it. Now, mind you, there's no way Jesus could have been a white man that looked like a young Brad Pitt. Not possible. He probably looked more like Colin Kaepernick. And there's no way that Moses could have looked like Charlton Heston. This is silliness. But once again, this is all about race. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. And those of us who can pass for looking white enough, but are religious minorities, we need to understand that, and we need to be strong and consistent airsats white allies to our brothers and sisters of color. No question at all. So, you know, this goes back, you know, in this country, there's always been a fear of immigrants. Uh, again, the fear of immigrants was usually immigrants of color, though. Make no mistake about it. So Jews were considered people of color. Asians were, uh, believe it or not, Italians used to be, but DeSantis conveniently forgot that, as well as Mastriano. Um, and it's funny because you'll, you'll hear people of Italian descent say they came from northern Italy. You know, the, the racism so inculcated. Um, you know, but once again, it was this uh, racism that fueled the 1924 Immigration Act, which had very severe quotas. Uh, preventing immigration from Asia and other places where people of color and it didn't it didn't um it remained in effect until 1965 okay uh this is there's nothing new here folks all right you can read the report yourself well you know the origins of white supremacist ideas according to this report um you know, and I'll just read a little bit from here. Quote, there's little new in the ideas that underpin white nationalism, white supremacy, the alt-right, and fascism. At its core, white nationalism is little more than an attempt to cloak white supremacist ideas in the more respectable language of racial separate, just as the alt-right has tried to repackage fascist thought in a more modern form. 
All these variants are built on common notions of a white identity and racial superiority. They promote hate and violence as valid political tools, rejecting values of equality, coexistence, and the rule of law in favor of raw power and ethnic division, end quote. It says it right there. Okay, make no mistake about it. And why would the powers that be, the very rich, want to push this besides the fact that many of them are probably also racist? Think about it. If you have a system of unchecked predatory capitalism, now, mind you, I'm not totally against capitalism. I think any system has its good and bad points, truth be told. And... Uh, but every system needs checks and balances, needs uh, accountability and transparency. We don't have that in our current system of predatory capitalism. Everything's been deregulated, and it's just basically who has, who's the biggest fish can take what they want. That's, that's all there is to it. And under that system, where the rich, where there's such uh, economic inequality, and workers, especially white Christian workers, are becoming aware of that. You have to give them somebody else to abuse. They're being abused, but the powers that be are going to give them other people to abuse so they don't notice how much they're being ripped off. So what do they do? They give them people of color, religious minorities, feminists, otherwise known as uppity women, and the LGBTQ community. It's just this enormous, grand uh, distraction, pure and simple. And unfortunately, a lot of these people are stupid enough to buy into it. It's really that simple. Um, and in this particular report prepared by the Center for American Progress, uh, they also quote Derek Black. Now, Derek Black is a former white nationalist leader. Mr. Black is now an academic who is presently st- who's studying the, quote, origins of racist ideas, reading straight from this, takes a cultural approach to understanding the movement by identifying its most significant symbols of identity. And this goes on to say, quote, that's according to Mr. Black. Um, so let me back up a little bit. I'll read this, okay? Uh, and I think the reason they're pointing this out is that there are former white supremacists and neo-Nazis that have seen through it, and, you know, they've grown, I hope. Quote, Derek Black, a former white nationalist leader who is now an academic who studies the origins of racist ideas, takes a cultural approach to understanding the movement by identifying its most significant symbols of identity. He defines a white nationalist as someone who interacts with information outlets primarily serving the white nationalist movement, is friends with other white nationalists, attends white nationalist events, and supports the cause financially and politically. Black explains that white nationalist ideas are totems that white nationalists use to show that they belong in the movement. Members spend a great deal of time defining and arguing about these terms as well as spreading them into mainstream society by trying to insert them into mass media, end quote. Okay. So basically what they're doing is they're battling uh, a growing demographic shift. Okay. That's what that whole replacement theory that came out of the neo-Nazi movement in Europe and is presently being touted daily by Tucker Carlson and other Fox, um, I'm going to call them other Fox bastards, okay? And, you know, once again, this idea that we're being swarmed, you know, we're, we're, you know, these people are like, um, you know, like vermin, Comparing people to vermin, dehumanizing them, that that particular strategy came straight from the Hitler playbook. Make no mistake about it. Okay? And Fox knows what it's doing. And, you know, even though Rupert Murdoch isn't running the show anymore, his kids are, the Murdoch family has long been neo-Nazis. Make no mistake about it. They came from Australia originally, and Australia's been a bastion of racism and neo-Nazism. Nothing new here. Okay, nothing new. Again, they're using coded language, but once again, they are also going back to the grand replacement theory, 
which actually came was also um, described in a 2011 book um, by a excuse me by a far right activist named Renaud Camus, and this was to his his tantrum was against um, Muslim immigration to France. But all this hate speech has a negative effect. Many of the shooters, whether it's Dylan Roof in South Carolina, okay, or Anders Breivik in, in Norway, they were listening to this. Okay? The Christchurch killer in New Zealand. They were all listening to these lies. And the lies get worse and worse. It, it's not just that um, we, those of us in communities of color and religious minorities, we not only want to, according to them, replace them, but they're calling people, not just baby killers, they're accusing people of, of molesting children, of drinking their blood, all sorts of insane stuff. Again, where do they get these crazy stories? Well, one place is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. They, they've gotten this, this nonsense. This is the same stuff that Hitler pushed. Make no mistake about it. This is Nazism. And if any of you listening have remained silent in the face of this, you need to do some serious soul searching. Because if you can remain silent about this, then, yeah, you're a Nazi too. It's really that simple. Silence is basically giving permission. You're complicit. There comes a point when you have to stand up and make a choice. When you refuse to stand up to to this kind of evil, then you're giving them consent. You just are. So, you know, once again, uh, there's another book called The Camp of the Saints. Steve Bannon, noted neo-Nazi, loves it. You know, this is something that has been going on a long time. The hatred of Christians have for Muslims is an old one. Okay? You don't have to go any further than the Dark Ages and the Crusades where European Christians invaded invaded Muslim lands in the Middle East to take over. And then the Muslims fought back and beat them all the way to the Brandenburg Gate. This wasn't about preaching what Jesus taught. This was about raw power. Make no mistake about it. And this is all about all this all this incendiary rhetoric. It's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. But as much fun as it is to blame Donald Trump and other people for it, there has to be a receptive audience. And there is. So we're going to move on to the next report here. So you've got uh, multiple, multiple MAGA candidates that, yes, are Nazis. Doug Mastriano is one of them. And Mastriano is... They, they deny it now, but he's buddy-buddy with Andrew Torba, who, who is the CEO of Gab. Gab has become a, an online haven for white supremacists, neo-Nazis, you name it. Okay? Torba also claims that he's a, another Christian nationalist. In fact, according to uh, a, a publication called The New Civil Rights Movement and a story uh, published on September 23rd, just this past week, by David Badash. Um, it says, watch, Torba, that was Andrew Torba, warns GOP to not disavow or condemn us because Christian nationalists are the Republican Party. And they are. Torba has ties to Doug Mastriano. Uh, Torba's also endorsed um, Arizona GOP Secretary of State nominee Mark Fincham, who's also an election denier and member of the far right, uh, Group Oath Keepers. Um, let's see now. Torba also supports Arizona GOP State Senator Wendy Rogers. And there's some quotes here from Torba. Quote, this is Andrew Torba speaking. 
We have the numbers. We are the majority. And we are done being the footstool. We are going to wake up the body of Christ in this country. We're going to do something about you castrating our children, about you sexually indoctrinating them in the schools, about you know taking over our culture and taking over our government and sending all of our money to foreign countries and allowing our border to be invaded, end quote. And that was in a video uh, published by Right Wing Watch. In fact, I'm going to, let's see if I can find it. I'll play it for you. Well, I don't see it. Okay, but you can look it up yourself. Torba um, goes on to say, quote, we're done. We're done with it, and we're going to, is the quote, and we're going to step up and we're going to rebuild this fallen and corrupt society from scratch, just as Christians have done many times before. And yes, we absolutely are going to get involved in public discourse and in politics, and you're not going to shut us up. And Torba goes on to say, quote, and it's a message to the Republican Party, that, too, that they are not to disavow us. They are not to condemn us because we are 80% of the Republican Party. Christian nationalists are the Republican Party. And they're going to start doing the will of God, end quote. And Torba goes on to say, quote, and they're going to start, you know, supporting biblical policies. And they're going to start, you know, fighting back against this and not being complacent. And they're going to get out of the way. And we're going to go in there and we're going to do it ourselves. Those are their two choices, end quote. Okay. For those of you who don't understand what biblical policies are, that means pretty much everything would be illegal. You couldn't cuss. You couldn't drink. um, You couldn't have premarital sex. You couldn't have sex outside of marriage, especially women. Um, No contraception. None of that. Basically, if you violated those rules, you would get stoned to death, especially women. Um, Once again, um, Torba's also written a book that has... um, it's doing pretty well on Amazon. And it was reported by Jewish Insider. They called it, quote, an obscure new book calling for the construction of a parallel Christian society to replace the failed secular state, uh, end quote. And the book is called Christian Nationalism, a Biblical Guide for Taking Dominion and Disciplining Nations. It was written by Andrew Torbo. Understand what he's saying. Dominion means taking control. The dominionists do not believe in secular anything. The dominionists do not believe in uh, secular law. They reject it. Dominionists believe that it should be a theocracy, a Christian theocracy. Christian fundamentalism is just as um, abusive as fundamentalist Islam, ultra-Orthodox Judaism, you name it. This would be if you were a member of the LGBTQ community. Just for being gay, that would be enough for them to stone you to death. Seriously. Um, Women who have sex out of marriage, same thing, stoned to death. Um, You name it. It would become Saudi Arabia. Or Iran, make no mistake about it. They just want it as for white Christians. And those, the rest of us who are not white enough or Christian, I guess they, these people would try to either murder us or enslave us. They, the Dominions don't leave a whole lot of guesswork here. Okay? So... This is something that we really need to be frightened of. I think I've got it here. Let's see.
Okay, so that was Andrew Torba. So it's not me just making it up. And we need to understand what's really happening here. When they say biblical policies, that means you, you talk about the thought police. As I said before, you don't have to look any further than places like Iran or Saudi Arabia to see what that means. It would just be a white Christian group in charge, but it would be the same dictatorial policies. And in this video, it's, I wanted to note that Torva has on this baseball cap, and the baseball cap has a, um, a what do you call it? It's a patch of the American flag on the front, but instead of the stars in the blue, it's the blue with a big cross. So it's quite clear that these are people that not only despise democracy, they don't want it. They want theocracy, and they are very dangerous. Make no mistake about it. And this is what we're dealing with now. And, and, you know, I guess we shouldn't be so so shocked by it, frankly, because the fact is this country's always been like that. Um, you know, there's always been what one writer calls a democratic contempt for inherited white power. And this is a story, this is written by John Stower, who is a very noted uh, journalist. It was written just this past week, published September 25th. And it's, it's an editorial, and it ran an alternate and some other places. And the headline is, a, quote, democratic contempt for the spoils of inherited white power. And when we say white, when I say white, I, it's not just white. It's white Christian male privilege. Make no mistake about it. Okay, so um, this was, this story started out where how the House, this this past week, passed up an upgrade to the uh, previous Electoral Count Act. They were trying to prevent another coup like the one that happened on January 6th. Um, the Senate had their own version, and, excuse me, and enough sponsors among the Republicans. Um, there were nine House Republicans that were for the bill. All the others were against it. And, you know, that sounds fine. Okay. It's a sign in the right direction. But, you know, Jonathan Bernstein um, was quoted, and, you know, basically Bernstein commented that, you know, this is a pro-democracy bill. But he also said that, you know, even mainstream Republicans are in some ways as extreme as the MAGA Republicans. And Bernstein was quoted as saying, quote, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Mark Levin and the other leaders of the Republican Party, the problem isn't just the extremists, it's the rank-and-file Republican politicians. It means that there's just not much of a difference between a House Republican conference with a few more radicals and one with a few more mainstream members. And I get what he's saying. What he's really saying is these extremists couldn't get away with half of what they're getting away with if the alleged mainstream, you know, stood up to them. Instead, you know, again, when you remain silent, you're giving consent. So, you know, this piece goes into what is contempt for democracy. And there's a sentence here that I find very interesting. It says, quote, Contempt for democracy has a long, rich, and complex history in the United States. It goes all the way back and, and beyond the founding. The framers were patricians, noblemen in all but name. They didn't trust democracy any more than they trusted the plebe to be enlightened enough to run a republic. So they built into the system all the encumbrances to democracy that modern-day Democrats chafe at. That's right. You know, you don't have to look any further than the beginnings of the Constitution and realize that the only people in the beginning that had voting rights, or really any rights, were white men who owned property. In other words, had some wealth. The rest of us had no rights. 
Uh, and when I hear people talk about how they're a, uh, a conservative constitutionalist, I, I shudder because they, I think they know what they're saying. They're saying that they want a society where the only people that have power are white, Christian, straight men. That's it. Um, excuse me. So this, I have an issue today. So Stork goes on to quote um, a political philosopher by the name of um, Sheldon Wolin, who passed away. And according to Wolin, the they explained it this way, quote, Constitutional democracy is an ideological construction designed not to realize democracy, but to reconstitute it and, as a consequence, repress it, end quote. Okay. So I'm not sure if I agree with that, but if you're talking about representative democracy as opposed to direct democracy, then I would say yes. Um, there's another French philosopher quoted by Storr named Jacques Rancière, and Rancière said, quote, said that, quote, a new hatred of democracy can be succinctly put. There is only one good democracy, the one that represses the catastrophe of the democratic civilization, end quote. This isn't just about a contempt for democracy. This is a contempt for anyone who isn't rich, who isn't rich enough, white enough, Christian enough. Let's be honest about it. This is about hierarchy. This is about the fact that the abuse, the abusive characteristics of our society were baked right in from the beginning. And while the Constitution showed great promise, it also showed great hypocrisy. You know, the promise that a lot of migrants coming here believed in was the idea that everybody has an equal chance and everybody eventually should have equal rights. And that if you work hard, you should be able to enjoy the fruits of your labors. You should be able to have a free society and worship or not worship as you see fit. Love who you see fit and so on and so forth. Without fear of the state coming and pounding you to a pulp. But the Constitution baked right into it a hierarchy of discrimination to make sure that, you know, again, white Christian males who own property will remain at the top of the hierarchy. That wasn't an oversight. It was done by design. So you can you can see the Constitution had great promise. But, again, it was written by men that were um, not only ethically compromised, but, you know, hypocrites. Okay. All righty. So this is about basically protecting what uh, Storer calls the top-down orders of power. And Storer writes, quote, the top-down orders of power that are threatened by democracy is white power, the homegrown version of the right to rule by blood otherwise associated with monarchies or dynasties. While colonial Americans did free themselves from the British crown, they never abandoned hereditary privilege. They just stopped calling it that, end quote. And he's right. He just is. Starr goes on to say, quote, from the colonial era to the present day, white power or the right to rule by blood has been passed down as if it were property that compound in wealth and is transmitted to descendants who neither earn that wealth nor deserve it. Previous generations of white people who'd established immutably, immutably white power as America's superstructure in effect grant future white people their hereditary privilege, depriving anyone born without it of political equality, end quote. All I can say is amen, Brother Storm. He's right. And this is what we're really talking about. This, and when Republicans talk about natural order, there's a natural law. There's nothing natural about it. It's still about uh, white Christian male privilege. Nothing else. Okay? Nothing else. 
In fact, one of the founding fathers argued against this, Thomas Paine. Paine, according to, in this article, argued in common sense, um, quote, uh, the proof, again, is mediocre white men who are born into the riches of white power and born up every time they fail spectacularly. If nature affirmed political inequality, a central tenet of conservative ideology, future generations of white men would possess equal merit to the previous generations that established the white power order, end quote. And that, that was an interpretation of pain. That was actually Storr interpreting it, but I agree. Um, and Storr goes on to say um, they don't. In fact, that these white men are worthy of them. Okay, let me go back here again. Um, Tom, according to Storr, Tom Paine argued this and went on to say, quote, if nature affirmed political inequality, a central tenet of conservative ideology, future generations of white men would possess equal merit to the previous generations that established the white power order, and they don't. Indeed, they are worthy of democratic contempt, end quote. Um, so Mario Fight uh, wrote an anthology called Democratic Moments, and there's a chapter on Thomas Paine. And, the, and what Fight argues is that the central core tenet of common sense was um, democratic contempt for the right to rule. Now, Paine meant monarchy, okay? But Fight is basically arguing that you, you can expand that argument, okay? According to uh, Mario Fight, quote, the intergenerational injustice of creating a hereditary title to rule uh, to Paine ultimately rests on an intergenerational injustice namely to assume that there could be politically significant natural hierarchies among humans, end quote. So this has been going on a long time, all right? Um, and I'm not going to get into all of this because I think I'm going to lose my audience, frankly. Um, you know, but again, the House Democrats tried to pass something to prevent another coup attempt. Uh, it's just that the Republican Party, as it is, and many corporate Democrats as well, have contempt for democracy itself. They just do, and it has to stop. This is really about inherited white power. Okay? So, we could talk more about white nationalism, but Christian nationalism, and so on. Um, there's so much to cover there, all right? Uh, I'm going into the high holidays. I I really have very little hope that this nation will somehow find its conscience, okay? Uh, I think that there... There's a lot of white Christians out there, call themselves Christians anyway, and um, they are, they're going to hold on to their place in the hierarchy no matter what. Their sense of white superiority basically subsumes anything else in their minds. It just does. You know, my mother used to say there's nothing meaner than a racist that you stand up to. Like, how dare you you know, go beyond your appointed place in life. And she was right. She was absolutely right. Um, you know, all I can say is, once again, we need to be having these very difficult conversations with people that are still perhaps our friends and family members. But at the end of the day, if they choose Nazism, then you have to shun them, period. That's it, like the old-timers did. They have no family then. And that sounds harsh. I realize that. But you can't afford to trust them. You just can't. Um, if there is no separation of church and state, 
that means anybody who isn't a Christian is in dire jeopardy. Whether you're a religious minority or an agnostic or an atheist, I'm hearing too much of people railing against all this secularism. Okay? I don't understand that because they're making it, they're, they're implying that people that are secular have no morals. Even though there's absolutely zero evidence to prove that point. Secular people, secularism or religion, being religious has nothing to do with morality usually. You know, the morality of secular rule of law is taken straight from the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't lie about people. Don't, in other words, don't slander, defame, or libel them. In other words, thou shalt not commit false uh, witness against thy neighbor. Don't covet. Right? Honor your mother and father. It's all there in secular law, too. This fight about religion is about power, which is something Jesus never preached at all. Like the irony is, with these white Christian uh, nationalists, if Jesus reappeared today as a black man, they would be lining up to shoot him. That's the ironic part. Because this has been what's happened. The concept of white Jesus. It's a fairy tale. It's not possible. You know, I've had Christians come up to me, and and I'm so tired of them co-opting our traditions. There are Christians out there that actually believe they invented the Ten Commandments. Not that it was given to Moses. They just believe it. They fail to understand that their Bible, and I do mean their Bible, the King James Bible, was translated from the original languages of Aramaic and Hebrew, neither of which readily translate into a European language. Quite a bit's lost in translation. You know, if you look at the King James Bible, Old Testament, and you judge Judaism by that, you're going to walk away thinking it's no big deal because it removes all the context, and especially Hebrew. Hebrew is such an odd language. Every letter has a numeric value. Don't ask me why. And every word has multiple levels of meaning. Um, what Christians call the Old Testament, we refer to as Torah. And Torah is safe to say has never been created mechanically. It is the same document as it was thousands of years ago. It is still written by a scribe. It takes, I think, eight years to create one big scroll. Seriously. Every stroke has to be perfect or they start all over again. And besides Torah, the law, there are entire volumes of Torah commentary where our wisest sages debate and try and analyze what every little word means. So if you walk away from the King James Bible, Old Testament, and think that's Judaism, newsflash, it isn't. That's a horrible misrepresentation that was paid for by a British king. What the hell does a British king or the Middle Ages have to do with ancient Judaism? I know I shouldn't cuss on the eve of high holidays, but this just makes me so angry, I want to scream. And then when I see Christian uh, ministers misrepresenting, they, they study Hebrew to try and twist and get us to convert. Now, mind you, be Christian. I'm happy for you. I have Christian relatives. What I object to is the constant proselytizing, as well as the subsequent discrimination. What I object to is when I say no, thank you politely. Just respect that. All right? Don't proselytize. We're forbidden to do so. And that's a wise policy. And what a lot of Christians don't understand 
is when they proselytize nonstop, even if they don't mean any harm. They think they're saving us. Their concept of the Savior is not, it doesn't mean the same thing in Judaism. See, in Judaism, a Savior is not a deity figure like it is in Christianity. In fact, the big rule is one God and one God only. You can't have any other deity figures. So when they keep trying to push us to accept Jesus as a deity figure or son of God or whatever it is, because it keeps changing, they're causing great psychological and spiritual pain to us. You know, I, I there was a man in my life many years ago. I loved him dearly. And, and he was Christian, and he tried to, you know, get me to buy into the whole Jews for Jesus thing. And I loved him. What he didn't understand was that every time he kept pushing it, he hurt my feelings. Because not only did I feel rejected for who I am, I still loved him. But he was asking me to commit apostasy. You know, Judaism, like Islam, is strict monotheism. There is no son of God, savior, deity figure, whatever. None of that. In Judaism, a Messiah is a regular person uh, who is considered to be either a great teacher or as a messenger, maybe a prophet even. But it's a very human person. That's it. And too many Christians fail to comprehend that. And a lot of them try to take advantage of the fact that there are a lot of American Jews that in in past generations didn't know much about their own faith. They had to be closeted, just as the LGBTQ community in previous generations had to be closeted for their own safety. Religiously, we had to be closeted for our safety. I'm going back to the 60s, but it's the truth. And honestly, I'm tired of mollycoddling white Christians. Now, our our brother and sisters, brothers and sisters of color who are Christian, they understand that. They're kind, they're reverent, they're more tolerant, okay? And they understand that, and I love them dearly. But when you talk about white Christian nationalism, it has nothing to do with what Jesus taught at all. It was about everything about power. That's it. And I know I've kind of railed a bit today. Uh, I, I actually wasn't going to do the show today. And then I looked at this and I just went, no, I, I have to tell the truth here. You know, uh, I'm tired of seeing not only people that are secular, atheists, and agnostics, but I'm tired of seeing both Muslims and Jews being constantly slandered and defamed by these Christian nationalists, calling both groups murderers, calling both groups, um, you know, groomers and child molesters. The only reason you push that type of rhetoric is to incite violence, to incite a genocide. That is its purpose. And it's not by accident. And it doesn't matter that Donald Trump's grandkids through his daughter are being raised Jewish. It makes no difference. Because with him, it's all about him. People are filled with hate. They are angry. When you talk about white Christian nationalists, they are talking about basically going back to the bad old days where white, white straight Christian men ruled everything. And the rest of us were treated even worse than we are now. That's what they want. So I would say to Christians of color, my brothers and sisters in the Christian communities of color, as well as uh, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, 
agnostics, atheists, members of the LGBTQ community, everybody. These people are really scared silly because we will outnumber them. And we need to stick together. The reason why this country was considered a haven for minorities, especially religious minorities, is because of the separation of church and state. Which, it's very pretty language. It, again, it wasn't always the case. You know, uh, um, there were companies that would not hire blacks or Jews. There were unions that would not admit blacks or Jews. This is prior to 1965 when the immigration law changed. This is our history. It's the truth. And we need to stick together because make no mistake about it, white Christian nationalism is Nazism. Pure and simple. And these people keep lying because that's all they have. Nothing else. Nothing else. So there was a appropriate quote here. What I would say to these Christian nationalists who clearly reject democracy, who clearly reject the Constitution, who cr- clearly reject equal opportunity on this eve of the Days of Awe, Day of Atonement, I would remind everyone of Exodus 22:21. quote, you must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember, you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. And this spoke to Jews, end quote. But it's the truth. It just is. So I was going to do the um, Jackass of the Week. Where I really don't have the heart for it tonight. Um, we will be talking about this some more. And with that, I wish everybody in my Jewish community, Lashana Tova, Happy New Year. May your year be filled with sweet blessings of sweetness and love and good works. And with that, I say good night and God bless us. <laughs>